Welcome into the Cougar Tailgate, where BYU fandom lives. Here's your host, Cole Wissinger. What is up? Good morning, BYU fans. You're listening to the Cougar Tailgate, a program that tackles each Cougar opponent, their traditions, their superstitions, and history, as well as bringing Cougar sports to our national fan base. We're having just an audio tailgate with the nation every single week. Before we take off to Toledo today, let's take a look back at how we got here. Pedal back, pedal back, pedal, step up, avoids pressure, throws end zone. Oh, it's a touchdown! It's a touchdown by Matt Bushman after Washington almost had the INT. They tip it up in the end zone into the arms of Matt Bushman, and the Cougars score. Wow. Cougs will take it. Thank you very much. Hey, we love the Matt Bushman touchdown, but it was just too little too late. That score was the last of the game and brought the final tally to a slightly more respectable 45-19. to BYU fell at the hands of the Washington Huskies for the second straight year. Washington started strong and led the game 21-3 by the end of the first quarter thanks to the great play of their quarterback and an opportunistic defense. BYU was still in a close game and driving down the field when Zach Wilson lost the ball in a sack and Washington took it 69 yards the other way. Washington would extend their lead with a field goal to start the second quarter. Just a few minutes later, BYU was able to put together a great drive of 75 yards that ended in a rushing touchdown by Emmanuel Asupa's first of the year to make the score 24-9. And then Cougar kicker Jake Oldroyd brought him even closer at the end of the half with a stunning 54-yard field goal, getting BYU into the locker room, trailing only 24 to 12 and it was the first 50 plus yard field goal for the cougars in 13 years i love the kickers the snap to livingston low the kick on its way it is through for three jake oldroyd has byu's first field goal of 50 plus yards since october 28 2006 Jake Oldroyd. The second half began with another costly turnover, and Washington capitalized with a touchdown to extend the lead to 31-12. And another quick score was to come. BYU would have a short drive of their own before punting back to the Huskies. And unfortunately, the only reason to talk about a punt during a game recap is because something was about to happen. Aaron Fuller, Washington's return man, sped up the sideline and into the end zone for an 88-yard touchdown return. BYU was able to make a great defensive play and get an interception close to the end of the third quarter, which set up the offense for a touchdown, the previously heard catch by Matt Bushman, But that was the last score of the game for either team and brought the final score to 45-19. It was a disappointing loss and adding injury to insult to the leading rusher to this point for BYU. Tyson Williams looks like he's going to be missing the rest of the year to a knee injury. But the Cougs are optimistic for the future and the upcoming game this weekend against a team whose rushing offense is quite literally taken off the Toledo Rockets. I think that uh, they put us in a really tough spot. You know, they got up ahead on us, and then whenever we try to gain momentum, they were able to stop it. And that's a, like I said, they have a lot of veterans on that team, and the coaching staff did an amazing job preparing those guys. And so, 
Um, Washington did a great job. We just didn't really help ourselves. And uh, it would have been nice to have that one back, but we don't. You know, got to learn from it and get better. But um, I'm more focused on trying to get better from this one and, and get ready for the next week. The Toledo Rockets welcome BYU into Ohio this week after coming off a thrilling win in the Mountain West against the Colorado State Rams this past weekend. And if there's something for Cougar fans to watch out for, it is this Toledo running game. Tailback Bryant Kobach was the Mac West Player of the Week, rushing for a whopping 168 yards and three touchdowns. Except that, that little stat line, that's what he picked up just in the third quarter alone. He had 228 yards and four touchdowns for the whole game. After the flurry of scores led by Kobach in the third quarter, it was still a tight game with the Rams hanging tough, 47-35. The Rockets put up a couple field goals in the fourth, the second coming with just 31 seconds left on the clock. Final score, Toledo 41 Colorado State 35. The game was a true marathon in the altitude, lasting for over four hours, and it clocked in as the longest regulation contest in Toledo football history. Folks back in the eastern time zone weren't getting to sleep until about 2.30 in the morning. And that doesn't include post-game or, you know, a celebration after winning. The game should remind Toledo fans, though, of a long Friday night in Provo three years ago. A happy memory for Coug fans that we're going to revisit during the show today. Coming up on the Cougar Tailgate, we will take a visit to the Buckeye State and talk their storied history in collegiate football, beginning with a guide to the University of Toledo. That's coming up right after this. Did you know Toledo has the most conference championships and bowl game appearances of any team in the Mid-American Conference? That tune might be new to you, but it is very familiar to our next guest, helping us get ready for the sights, sounds, and smells fans can expect in Northwest Ohio today. We have the University of Toledo's Associate Athletic Director of Communications, Paul Helgren, on the phone. Welcome to the Cougar Tailgate, Paul. Hi, glad to be here, Cole. All right, so you hear that fight song play. What's it conjure up for you? What's the most exciting Toledo sports memory that you have? Got a lot of them uh, in many different sports, but we'll stick with football since that's what we're talking about today. All right. Um, I would say 2008 when the Rockets uh, went up the road and I US 23 and defeated Michigan in the Big House 13 to 10. Uh, that certainly has to rank. We had a vote of our fans in our, our 100 year anniversary recently, and they voted that as the greatest win in Toledo history. Uh, also happened to be my alma mater, so I was excited about yeah. that to go back to Michigan and win that game. Uh, but for me personally, believe it or not, it was another game uh, back in 2000, my third year here, when we not only defeated Penn State, we r really dominated them in Happy Valley. And I, I just can't tell you how exciting that was uh, for me in my third year here at Toledo. A couple Big Ten rivals uh, for the, the little school in the MAC going up and just taken down. Yeah, a little trivia for you. Uh, we are the only school in the country to be undefeated in football against both Michigan and Penn State. 1-0 <laughs> in both cases, but uh, we'll take it. That's awesome. I love little things like that. So you talk about going up to the big house, going to Happy Valley, right? You guys play in the Glass Bowl, and despite all of my research, 
I have absolutely no idea why it is called the glass bowl. Can you educate me on that? I can try. Okay. And uh, no, it's not made of glass. Although at one point there was a lot of glass uh, involved in the glass bowl. And this goes back to the heritage of Toledo as the glass city, just like uh-huh. Detroit is the motor city and Akron is the uh, rubber city, so to speak. Uh, back in the industrial era, Toledo was where all the glass was made, both automotive glass and other kinds of glass. In fact, the major headquarters of glass companies like uh, Libby Owens Ford and Owens Corning are still in Toledo. So following World War II, when the U- University of Toledo football stadium had fallen into disrepair, uh, we had discontinued football for a few years during the war. Uh, the glass companies got together and decided they were going to help uh, rejuvenate this football stadium. And what they had a lot of to offer, not money, but they had a lot of glass block. So they built the uh, press tower out of glass block, and they built a lot of things out of glass block. There was a big uh, uh, kind of neon sign out on Bancroft sure, in, front, sure. in front of our university that was made out of glass block. And so at that time, in honor of all that, the, the University of Toledo Football Stadium was rechristened the Glass Bowl. And in fact, for four years, we hosted a, a bowl game at the end of the year uh, that was called the Glass Bowl. So, oh, right on. your story. Now, eventually, all of that glass block has disappeared and has uh, been replaced by more conventional materials. But uh, thus the name. That's, that is what I was looking for. Thank you. So what's, what's a typical game day like? What are some of the like, student section traditions? Or what can our BYU fans expect as they make the trek out there to, to Ohio? Well, like a lot of places, uh, they can expect to see tailgating. And we sort of have uh, um, a unique situation with our stadium. Our stadium is really located smack dab in the middle of the university. It's not located off to the side or oh. in athletics part of the uh, campus. What happened was back in the day in the 30s when the stadium was built, it was built, quote-unquote, away from the campus, but the campus at that time just consisted of two buildings. <laughs> what happened since then is the university has grown and out uh, toward the um, south, uh, toward and past the Glass Bowl, so whereas the Glass Bowl is now the you know, epicenter of the, of the campus. Thus, uh, parking is a little different. Like at some places, we have smaller groups of smaller parking lots scattered around campus and scattered around the Glass Bowl. So you have sort of different uh, flavors in different places. Uh, Lot 10 is is the biggest lot right next to the stadium. That's probably where you have the most community tailgating going on. Uh, But over a little bit to the uh, south and west of the stadium on the other side of the fraternity and sorority houses, you have Lot 25, which is where our students congregate and have a good time. So uh, depending on on, what any BYU fans are looking for for fun, they can maybe make their way over to the student tailgate lot or stop by lot 10. Uh, and put, there's a really good vibe, really good buzz around our campus on game day, especially for a big game like BYU. And um, it's, uh, we can be somewhat of a late arriving crowd. The parties are pretty good in, in, in the uh, <laughs> parking lot. And people uh, sometimes need to hurry up and get, get kind of caught up in it, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's true in a lot of places, but, uh Hopefully with a noon kick, they'll, they'll keep an eye on their watches. It's, it's an unusual time for us. We usually play at 7. Uh, but I think it'll be a great atmosphere and a great game. Yeah, and, and 10 a.m. is a little early for us. So we'll make sure everyone gets into that stadium on time, right? Um, <laughs> so our show, it's called the Cougar Tailgate around here. And tailgating goes with food. Um, do you guys have, like, a specific stadium food that you just you have to try? Or even, like, in the city of Toledo, what, what kind of food stuffs do you recommend? 
Yeah, I would recommend a couple of things. And okay. This was a new addition into our stadium, and that's Tony Paco's Hot Dogs. Tony Paco's is a kind of a world-famous uh, hot dog in Toledo. If any of your listeners are fans of the TV show MASH from uh-huh. uh, decades ago, a uh, character by the name of uh, Corporal Klinger uh, was played by an actor named Jamie Farr, who was a Toledo native and was able to talk the writers into making his character from Toledo. So he incorporated a lot of Toledo things into his character, and kind of one of the famous things was Tony Paco's. And in fact, I think in one episode they shipped Tony Paco's hot dogs to Korea uh, for the for everyone to enjoy there. So I would say if you've got any anyone any folks coming out to Toledo and they're here on Friday, the day before, definitely make your way over to the East Side, stop by Tony Paco's for a, a Hungarian hot dog. Uh, but if they can't make that, then we also will have them for the first time ever in our stadium this year. Um, another one to try might be Holy Toledo Donuts, which is a kind of a, a high-end cuisine donuts, so, which is also available in the stadium. Um, many other things. We have bacon on a stick. Um, we have uh, a lot of smoked meats, uh, you know, different things, and more than just your hot dog and popcorn at the game. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I'll, I'll kind of fill you in. I love the donut thing because um, around here we have things called cougar tails. They're like this kind of mm-hmm. long maple log thing of just donut uh-huh. confectionery stuff. And that's that's kind of the play on words where we get the cougar tail gate. We uh, we got food just in our name as well. So I, I'm a big donut fan. That's This was right. my idea. Tailor-made <laughs> Taylor sponsor for you there. <laughs> So yeah, but like in and in the city of Toledo, like what's what's like your taste of the town? What what do people have to see? I mean, food or otherwise, just touristy. Um, if they're up in that neck of the woods, what do you recommend they see before they leave? Well, if they're here just for the game, I would recommend uh, possibly stopping by an area called the Docks, which is along the river. It's actually on the uh, east side of the river, away from downtown, but it. It, there's a number of restaurants along that area called the Docks, and mm-hmm. it offers a terrific view of downtown and of the river, and you can eat on a patio and enjoy uh, what is still pretty decent weather at this time of year in the 70s. Uh, that would be my recommendation. If you're here for a little bit longer, uh, the uh, the one of our famous sports teams, the Toledo Mudhens, is no longer playing. They're a AAA team, another team sort of made famous in MASH. Uh, <laughs> but there are other things I think the two most uh, famous things in Toledo are the Toledo Art Museum and, and the Toledo Zoo, both both of which are um, highly rated for for a city of our size. Other than that, I would say uh, you know just enjoy our uh, parks, uh, restaurants. Um, I think anyone coming in for for the day will, will have a good time in Toledo. Thank you so much. I, I love uh, asking all these sports folks to be a pseudo tour guide for all of our fans. You did a great job. <laughs> Appreciate that. Um, Getting back to the football, getting back to the sports, the Rockets has got to be one of my favorite nicknames in college football. Do you know the story of how that came to be? Like, why a rocket? Yeah, you would think with our sort of industrial tradition and history with the automotive industry that there would have, many people assume there was some sort of military uh, base here or sure. rockets. Uh, actually, no, it has nothing <laughs> to do with that. Total happenstance. Um, in point of fact, when... Uh, we started football here in 1917, and for the first few years, we did not have an official nickname. Uh, people called us different things, uh, the Munis after the Municipal University. Uh, some sports uh, stories called them Dwyer's Boys after the coach. We really didn't have a nickname. 
And there was uh, a 1923, our team went to Pittsburgh to play one of the uh, best teams in the country at that time, a school by the name of Carnegie Tech, which is now uh, Carnegie Mellon. Yeah. Uh, but they were a football powerhouse at the time, believe it or not, and were expected to beat the Rockets by, you know, as many touchdowns as they could muster. <laughs> well, the game started out, and the Rockets scored two touchdowns and were up, and the uh, Pittsburgh sports writers were kind of shocked. And... Um, there was only one uh, writer from Toledo at the time there was a student in the press box, and uh, legend has it that they asked this student, what's your nickname? And we said, we really don't have one. And they said, well, you got to give us one because we're going to write about this team. And they all agreed that the team was scoring like skyrockets. So the the uh, writers in that day referred to the Toledo as the skyrockets, and that kind of stuck in the Toledo Blade and the uh, Toledo News, uh, which is a paper at the time, Use that for a short while and then just shorten it to Rockets, and it's been Rockets ever since. Gosh, I love the cool urban legends around college football. So you guys, are, you said celebrating your 100th year, or you just recently did that? That was back in 2017, yeah. Okay. Our yeah. first year of football was 1917. Gotcha. And yeah, all of college football has been doing the 150th this year. So a couple years ago, did you do anything to celebrate? Right. Well, we did. We let our fans do a poll and pick. Uh, the uh, greatest uh, players of all time. Uh, we decided to settle on 50. 100 would have been an obvious number, but we felt that was just going a little bit too far. Right. We made a list of our 50 greatest players, and we let our fans pick the top 10, and then we had a committee of historians round out the rest of the list, uh, and we honored all, all of those folks of that list who could make it at one of our later games, we honored them at a game. We also let our fans decide on the five greatest victories, or maybe it was 10, 10 greatest victories, in Toledo history, and as I mentioned, the win over Michigan in 2009 uh, made it to number one. And then finally we had our uh, greatest moments in history, uh, which was not necessarily wins or losses, but, you know, actual moments that happened in games. Uh, and then we did we did all sorts of promotions throughout that year uh, on the number 100. We had a 100-day countdown, things like that. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned the 150-year anniversary of college football. We've sort of um, taken some of those things that we just used two years ago and, and kind of incorporating those into the 150-year uh, celebration, including uh, greatest victories in all-time teams and things like that. Right on. And so, so who was number one on that on the players list? Who's who's the number guy from Toledo? Is a legend in Toledo and a name every college football fan should know and probably doesn't, and that's Chuck Ely, who was our quarterback from 1969 through 71. Okay. And what made Chuck special really was the team and, and himself. But those Rocket teams in 69, 70, and 71 went undefeated all three years, 35 straight wins, second longest uh, winning streak in Division One history. Dang. Uh, second to Oklahoma teams in the 50s, I want to say, under Bud Wilkinson that won something like 49 in a row. And so Chuck uh, was a quarterback in high school. He never lost a game in high school, never lost a game in college. First year rookie year in the CFL with the Hamilton High Cats led them to the Great Cup. So he's uh, he's quite a legend around here. Still comes to the games. In fact, he was he lives in the Toronto area in Canada, but he comes at least once or twice a year. And he was at our last game against Murray State. Uh, so there was almost no doubt he was going to be picked as our all-time Rocket. I love the history lesson. What? Are, how about some of the more recent ones? Who are some players in the NFL or that have kind of come out of the Toledo system? Football, basketball, any any kind of sport. Yeah, well, the greatest basketball player, uh, Philadelphia 76er fans might remember Steve Mix, and that's going back to the 60s. He, 
He uh, played with the 76ers uh, during the Dr. J era, yeah. the All-Star team one year. Uh, and, again, as a uh, native Toledoan who still lives in the area and a great guy. Football-wise, we have right now, I believe we have 15 Rockets on NFL rosters, and we've had six drafted uh, in the last three years, which is, which is pretty good for us. Uh, last year we had a uh, third-round pick was Deontay Johnson, a wide receiver with the Steelers, and a sixth-rounder, uh, Kadar Holman, was taken by the Packers. Um, some of the bigger names that we've had over the years, uh, Brett Kern has been an all-pro punter for Tennessee. Yeah. Um, Logan Woodside is with Tennessee as well. He was our quarterback that led us to the MAC championship in 2017. And uh, our all-time leading rusher is Kareem Hunt, uh, who is now with the Browns, previously with the Chiefs. BYU and, uh, fans remember him running all over us a couple years back. That's right. <laughs> he had a great game in, in Provo. He sure did, as did Logan. I think Logan threw for over 500 yards in that game. And, uh, yeah, Toledo and BYU fans will remember that game for different reasons. So. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we've had a great history of, of pros. Uh, back in the early 2000s, Chester Taylor was our superstar here. He oh, heck yeah. Yards. Ravens and Vikings, nice running back. And uh, we've had some others. Lance Moore was a star in the Super Bowl with the Saints. So we've, we've really had a great, uh, great tradition and great history for football here and definitely for producing uh, NFL players. And you mentioned big wins over big teams, but what's your biggest rival? What's, what's the team you play every single year that the fans get up for? Well, there's no doubt about that. That's the Bowling Green State Falcons just down the road in Bowling Green, Ohio. So Bowling Green's a city in Ohio, not just the name of the university? Right. That's right. I know okay. there's Bowling Green, Kentucky, but there's Bowling Green, Ohio. And they are our rivals, have been our rivals uh, almost from the very beginning. Um, we play for a trophy. We play for the Battle of I-75 trophy, which is a highway that uh, connects Toledo and Bowling Green. And uh, absolutely, we've, ha- we've had the better of them. I have to say the, the, uh, the uh, series is very close. We lead 40 to 39. Oof. Ties, but we've won the last nine in a row, so uh, we feel pretty good about that rivalry. Let me add one other uh, little bit of uh, pseudo-history to that rivalry, and mm-hmm. that's something that uh, BYU fans that are coming to the game will notice. We have a very large rocket uh, just outside our stadium. It's an actual uh, genuine Nike Ajax missile from the U.S. Army, donated in 1961, painted blue and gold. Whoa. And uh, myth has it that that if it were lit and taken off, it would uh, its trajectory would land it at the 50-yard line of Bowling Green's football stadium, Doit Perry Stadium. So, <laughs> uh, we uh, there's no no evidence for that, but we're going to stick with that story. I love it. All right. So, any predictions for today's game? What do you, and feel free to brag a little bit. What do you think is going to happen? Well, I think if it's anything like the last matchup back in 2016, the fans are going to get their money's worth. You had uh, two mm-hmm. great offenses going in that game. I would predict it would kind of go the same way. I think that we're going to see a high-scoring game. Uh, the Rockets are tough to beat in the Glass Bowl. Um, we've played a lot of good teams here, and, and you know some of them have beaten us. We played Missouri when they were in the top ten a few years ago. We played Boise State when they were number four, I believe. Uh, so any of those uh, power five or bigger name schools that come into the Glass Bowl and come away with win can be um, very proud that they've accomplished something because the uh, Rockets definitely defend their home turf uh, right to the end. And I, I, I would say this is a game that's probably going to go uh, right down to the wire, maybe last possession just like last time. A good game. That's, that's all we can hope for.
Paul Helgren has been with Toledo Athletics for 20 plus years. He is the Associate Athletic Director for Communications and has been our, our own great and gracious guide to Toledo football today. Thank you again, Paul. My pleasure, Cole. Coming up next, we take a look at the storied history of collegiate football in the great state of Ohio. You're listening to the Cougar Tailgate. Football aside, did you know the first game ever played in Toledo's current basketball arena was an upset of the number one ranked and defending national champion, Indiana Hoosiers, in 1976? the Cougar Tailgate, and thanks once again to our guest, Paul Helgren of the Toledo Athletics Department. Today is the completion of a home-and-home scheduled matchup between BYU and Toledo. The first ever game played between the schools came in the 2016 season, and coming up later today, we will talk a little bit more about that shootout with the fella that kicked the game-winning field goal as time expired. Red Almond will be in the building, and I am looking forward to that. Also in that 2016 season, Kalani Sataki's first as head coach of the Cougars, BYU played their very first college football game in the state of Ohio. It took BYU football 92 years of playing organized ball before they played any team in the Buckeyes state at their home. Now, sure, they played the Buckeyes of the Ohio State University in a few bowl games, but never a true away game. And that might not seem too weird for a team from the Intermountain West, but there are a lot of football teams, I mean a lot, that call O-H-I-O home. In fact, Ohio boasts the second most FBS teams and the second most college football teams, period, of any state in the union. Uh, To talk a little bit of Ohio football, we have our coordinating sports producer, Terry Self. Hello, Terry. How are you? Very good. Ohio is a interesting place. You have, you know, the flagship. The Ohio State They University. want you to call them the Ohio State. Patent pending. Ohio State. They want to copyright the, the word the. The way you say that, it makes me think you're not for that? I don't know if that's, is it arrogance? Is that what that is? Is it, is it something that needs to be copywritten? The word the? Yeah, I guess for them because they want you to refer to it that way. Can I no longer say the word the? I got to go into question. all my scripts and like edit That's stuff out. That's the question. Right? Are they making it so that word cannot be used? I'm not sure. Okay, so I mentioned that Ohio, the state of Ohio, not the Ohio State, um, has the second most football programs of any state. If you had to guess which state has more college football programs, what would you say? Hmm. Uh, what, California? That's a good. I mean, that has a lot of people there. Texas. Texas has a lot of football fans. Yeah. Both incorrect. Really. Pennsylvania, Ohio's little neighbor there. Really. Has more college football programs. Now, how many are we talking about? Now we're talking about fifty-three schools that play organized football in Pennsylvania versus forty-two in Ohio. Oh wow. Forty-one in Texas. So Texas is up there, and Texas is, by the way, uh, there are the good ones. Texas has the most FBS programs, right. which is the good for anyone that doesn't know. Division it's one, top level. yeah, FBS is the top level. Texas has twelve teams there. Um, so Pennsylvania has a bunch of Division two schools, Division two, junior colleges, Division three, especially. Oh, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. right. 
but we Ohio don't have so has much, there's a not bunch so much division two. three in the West. Mm-hmm. There's quite a bit in the East, and it looks like most of it's in Pennsylvania. Yes, huh. and Ohio. Ohio apparently. That's interesting. The uh, but there's so many people there that kind of makes sense, right? You need a population base to help out with uh, the schools because they're probably public on some level and have tax dollars and all that. So it kind of makes sense that way. Outside of the FBS programs that you know of, right? Mm-hmm. The Ohio State University, right? Can you think of the other good schools in Ohio? Ohio. Uh huh. Um, because well, Texas, there's, you know, University of Texas, yeah, yeah, Texas yeah. Tech, Texas A&M, they're the top. But there's that one. There's Ohio. Then there's, there's, o- there's Ohio University. Yes. Um, the, the one Bobcats. that I always found confusing is Miami of Ohio. Not the U. Not not the Hurricanes from mm-hmm. Miami, Florida, but Miami, Ohio. The Red Hawks. The Red Hawks. Those are two. Uh, those are both Division One, I, I believe. Mm-hmm. FBS programs. And then, um, yeah, Division One isn't the proper way to say it. <laughs> Do you know why they changed that? Not at all. They, I, I read they changed it because the teams that were Division Two felt like that put them in a, a lesser state, which they are, and it, and they didn't like the connotation, so they changed it so everyone was more positive. So you have. The the uh, the FBS for the the bowl series, right? Yes. And then you have the FCS for the champion series. They have a championship. And then in there's that still a division two and a division three below that. Yeah, it's crazy. People felt like we're okay. We're okay having them feel like they're lesser, but that FCS, yeah, the levels, they kind of put it made them feel bad. So they wanted sure. to make everyone feel good. Sure. So um, you're, a, you're forgetting a, about Kent State. Kent Terry. State. They're an FBS program. Wow. Where are they? Where's that located? Kent, Ohio. Well, where is that in Ohio? It's in the state of Ohio. In the state of Ohio. Okay. I got a map. I got a map of Ohio yeah. in front of me. It just if I like... zoom in in random places, let's see. There's Columbus. There's Dayton, Akron. I don't see Kent anywhere in like the big names. Hmm. There's Canton. That's where the uh, Pro Football Hall, Hall of Fame is. Yeah. There's Cleveland. That's where the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is. Is, there's no there's no college like big football program in, in Cleveland. Ooh, let's check. Is there? There's a Division three school okay. in Cleveland, Ohio, hmm. that is called the Case Western Reserve Spartans. Oh right, Case Western Reserve, the classic football institution. Right. That is Division three football. Just historic. Yeah. So many. I mean, Cincinnati has the University of Cincinnati. Cincinnati right. also has the Mount St. Joseph Lions that play in Division three oh, okay. football. That's, that's right, Cincinnati. I totally forgot Cincinnati was a Division one also. But every little – if you like zoom in on a map, any city that you see right. in Ohio, it seems like has a school. Columbus is where the Ohio State University is. Columbus is also where the Capital Crusaders play okay. in Division three football. That's a cool name. Um, also, just random towns in Ohio that have schools. You have but Granville, there's Tiffin, There's just such Hiram, a rich tradition Gambier. of football. Yeah. Right. So then you're, you know, maybe these schools, they just figure out that, you know, the, the people are going to come watch this football, whatever it is, because they just they want to watch football. So and isn't that have, what we all want to do at the end of the day? On some level. But for me, there's a point where it's like, what are you watching? Right? You're watching the Akron Zips. Yeah. It just it starts the the quality starts to dip and you're like, eh. And mostly it's like friends and family are watching. 
<laughs> Which is so, okay. And yeah, and it's, and and it's fine. It has its place and every, you know the school, you know, has they like it for the the activity and it kind of unites the student body, I guess is the idea. And all these high school kids get to keep playing college football. That's right. fun, right? right? Even if so, they didn't get into the Ohio State University, if you're it, a kid in Ohio, there might be a more of a options. purity to it in the sense that the kids are actually playing for just they want to play. And you get to the top levels and there's just – it kind of feels dirty sometimes when you start looking at how things are funded, who's mm. getting money and the choices that are made. And it's kind of cutthroat and who – like you'll, you'll see people now, they're transferring more because they want to play. And you end up you know showing up to a university with big dreams and then the next year they, they recruit your replacement before you even had a chance to play. But if you're so. taking time out of your school and studying life to walk on and play a little football for Walsh University's Cavaliers, there, there you go. That means you love football. Go play, yeah. Thank that, you, Terry, for coming in talking a little football, which we both love to do. Um, Terry is the coordinating producer here at BYU Radio, and he's the voice that you hear uh, for all the fun did you knows that are brought to you here on Cougar Tailgate. Next, we step into the old time machine and recap the wild first meeting between Toledo and BYU. Did you know the all-time leader in passing and rushing, Logan Whiteside and Kareem Hunt, in Toledo football history were both on the team the last time they played BYU in 2016? BYU and Utah have met on the field 100 times as of this year. Happy birthday, Holy War. They are the rivalry around these parts, separated on the I-15 by about 45 minutes, give or take whatever construction always seems to be going on. Those 100 meetings have given us 100 moments to remember, highlights to revisit, and stories to tell. The drive between Toledo and Bowling Green is even shorter down I-75, and this year marks the 100th anniversary of that rivalry on the gridiron. The Rockets, now we know before they were even called the Rockets, won that first meeting on October 3rd, 1919, 6-0. That was football back then. In the true definition of a competitive rivalry, Toledo has won exactly one more game than Bowling Green over those hundred years. And if the Falcons pull off the upset this year, both schools are back to an even 500 record. There is story and tradition wherever you look in college football. We are celebrating 150 years of it this year after all. The historic rivalries are great, but there are new classics being made Every single year. BYU and Toledo faced each other for the first time in their school's history in 2016. BYU was in a time of transition under new coach Kalani Sataki. Toledo, a model of consistency in the MAC under Jason Crandall, was in the middle of a five-year bowl streak that is still active today. Neither coach or team could have predicted the classic that was about to unfold under the lights in a whiteout at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. The first play of the game should set the tone of what's to come. BYU lined up on offense to start it off. Down the near sideline. Trinneman is there. Makes the catch at the 30, 20, 10, and just like that! Touchdown Cougars on the first play of the game! There it was, 11 seconds in, and the scoring has begun. 
Toledo would go 75 yards the long way on their ensuing drive to knot it up at 7-7. Both of these backfields featured future NFL running backs on this day. Kareem Hunt had 146 yards and a touchdown for the Rockets. He'd leave school as their all-time leading rusher before being drafted by Kansas City. BYU's Jamal Williams was drafted by Green Bay. And this was his night to shine. Jason Hill and shotgun, hands off Jamal. Jamal with a shuffle step, in for six. Jamal Williams, touchdown run. And the Cougars take a 13-7 lead with the PAT pending. 14-7 after that PAT. So, give it to Jamal again. First and goal from the two. Hand off Jamal. Jamal gets the lead. Jamal's got the touchdown again. A second touchdown for Jamal Williams. And the Cougars lead it 20-7 with the PAT coming up in the final minute of the opening quarter. Toledo didn't need a full minute to score next. In one play, Logan Woodside and John V. Johnson hooked up for 79 yards and another touchdown. Folks, this has all been just the first quarter. Toledo tied the game going into halftime and took a lead on the other side of the break, much on the arm of their all-time leading passer in school history, Logan Woodside, who would throw for 505 yards on the night. But now let's check back and see how Jamal's doing. Hills under center, takes the snap from Karoma, stretches the handoff to Jamal Williams, and Williams on the first down of Moore, 35-30, he's gone! 20-10, touchdown! The hat trick for Jamal Williams! Three scores... And he's got more in it. Taysom's under center. Stretch handoff left for Jamal. Jamal shoots the gap. And there he goes again. 50, 40, 35, 30, 25, 20, 50, 10. On his feet. Into the end zone. He did it again. And the Cougars take the lead. Four touchdowns on the night for the great Jamal Williams. Now at some point, Jamal must have took a water break or something. Because Squally Canada also got his chance to run in a score. The whole second half, these two teams were just trading points. But the defense wasn't totally asleep at the wheel. BYU's career interceptions leader, Kainakua, got a game-changing interception, leading to what else? They give to Jamal, middle, and all the way into the end zone! It's a touchdown run of 14 yards! And with that, Jamal Williams becomes BYU's single-game all-time rushing leader. 274 yards. No one's ever run for more in a game, and no one's ever run for more touchdowns in a game. That's five for Jamal, and the Cougars take a 51-45 lead with the PAT pending. Exactly three minutes to play. He does it on that run. Williams padded the record a little bit more before the night was done. The number to beat now is 286 yards on the ground, and that is still in BYU's record book. The stunning individual performance aside, though, the game was still not won. Toledo drove down and scored a potentially game-tying touchdown with less than two minutes to go. But this game deserves a wild ending. Coach Candle kept the offense on the field for a go-ahead two-point conversion. The snap was fumbled, but Woodside still gunned it in to Michael Roberts to take a 53-52 lead, giving BYU one last chance. This isn't a rivalry of two close schools up the road from one another. I've made the drive on Interstate 80 myself, going from Ohio to Utah, and they won't be naming any trophies after that three-day trek anytime soon. Whether it is one meeting or a hundred, college football has a way of cementing itself in our memories, and it is a beautiful game. 
This instant classic would come down to the right leg of cougar kicker Rhett Almond. And I'll be talking to Rhett about his memories of this game, what he's up to now, and what it's like being a kicker when we come back here on the Cougar Tailgate. Did you know Toledo's school colors are midnight blue and gold? Their mascot is Rocky the Rocket, an astronaut. Placement is good. Kick is on its way. And it is good! good! Rhett, you bet! 55-53, the Cougars win it! Holy Toledo! Spoiler alert, BYU won. After all that scoring, all those records, all those future NFLers showing off, Rhett Almond put the game away with a field goal in the closing seconds. And he is on the phone with us now. Welcome into the Cougar Tailgate. Rhett, how you doing? Good, how are you doing? Very good. Thank you for coming on. So, we all just kind of got uh, our memories activated there, uh, remembering what it was like the first time BYU played Toledo. But what are your memories of that game from the sideline? Oh, my memories were filled with a lot of pressure, a lot of anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) I remember when Toledo ended up going for two instead of just kicking the PAT to tie it, and then it put so much pressure on my shoulders because then we were down by one instead of just tied. And so a lot more was on the line when we were driving down the field in those last minutes. Yeah, it wasn't just going to be overtime if you missed it. Nope, it was going to be a loss if I missed it. <laughs> but you were two for two and seven for seven on extra points as well. So you lived yeah, up to it. So I was very confident going into it. I know I had a rocky beginning of the year, but once I came back and had my second chance, I was really confident and really um, ready to show the team that I still deserve to be out there. That's awesome. So kickers... Are kickers really like the the football outcasts that they seem on TV or in movies sometimes? Like, do you guys really just live in your own little kicker world? Um, you know, sometimes. <laughs> I like to think, no, I like to think that I'm not grouped with the stigma of what a kicker is. Um, I like to think I'm cooler than that. But, no, a lot of the times we are a very small close-knit group all the specialists hang out with each other and um the guys i was closest with on the team were the other punters kickers and long snappers and i was completely content hanging out with them all day at practice and even outside of practice we were just very um tight and sometimes i mean as a kicker specifically you do kind of have to be in your own world in your own mindset um you have to be ready when your time comes, all eyes are on you. It's, it can be a perfect snap, perfect hold and everything, but if you don't do your thing, then then it's your fault. You kind of do have to be in your own world, own mindset in order to perform well and be, be clutch in clutch situations. Yeah, really all those game scenario things that change, like offenses adapting, the, the goalposts are still going to be up there waiting for you. You just got to go out and kick the ball. 
Exactly. <laughs> um, one of the special teamers that was on the squad with you there in that 2016 season was our kicker slash punter right now, Jake Oldroyd. What do you remember about true freshman Jake? A great kicker. Very impressive. I remember the first time I watched him kicking, trying out for the team. I was very impressed with his leg strength and his accuracy and his um, his consistency as well. And I knew that he'd be a very great asset, a great kicker for BYU in the years to come. And I'm I was excited to watch him do well. I'm excited to watch him now. I mean, I didn't want him to do too well when I was on the team because <laughs> you got to keep your job. <laughs> I got to keep my job, but hey, I couldn't avoid that either. Uh, but no, Jake's really talented, really great kicker, and I'm excited to see him perform well every time he goes out there. I'm completely confident that he'll deliver in the situations that he needs to, and he showed us that so far this year already. You bet. And so he does a little punting. You did a little bit of punting when you were on the team as well. What's what's kind of the difference between that? And and my question is, do you think these like real high-quality kickers like Greg Zerline and Justin Tucker in the NFL, how good of punters do you think those fellows are? I bet they're still really good punters. In order to be in the NFL, you got to be... You have, a, have to have a certain level of just natural natural athleticism, especially with swinging your leg with kicking. So I bet those guys all kicked and punted in high school, probably uh, did quite a bit of punting in college as well, but their specialty was obviously kicking. Growing up, people, my coaches always told me to specialize with either kicking or punting because nobody does both at the college level. Mm-hmm. And I never really liked that answer. I never liked hearing that. I wanted to do both at the college level. Uh, so I really worked on doing both and trying to be the best I could be at both. And I was able to perform well at both of the positions in college. And it's impressive to see Jake out there doing it both in the same season as well. I, a lot of people might think that if you can kick the football, then you can punt the football. But it's two very different techniques, two different styles, and different um, specialties that you have to focus on with punting. It's a lot in the drop, and swing of the leg is the last little bit of your technique, and everything is in that drop. And kicking the ball is set, it's stationary, and so all of your technique is in the swing of your leg. So it's, yeah, different techniques, and I think it would be good for people to understand that kicking punting is different and each different position is a different specialty special teams 101 with red almond i love it there you go hey so you graduated you're off you're into the big bad world what have you been up to uh since graduation since leaving the football team uh so right now i am applying to physical therapy schools Um, I am going through the interview processes and starting to hear back from some schools. Uh, So that is in my future. I want to become a physical therapist. Best of luck. Thank you very much. And you got got a family as well, right? Yes, I have my lovely wife. We've been married for a little over two years. And we are ready for that next stage of life, going to more schooling. I guess as ready as I'll ever be for more schooling. Oh, boy. That's right. Well, congrats. And yeah. before before we end, full disclosure, uh, Rhett and I are in a fantasy football league together uh, <laughs> because your wife's 
brother is my former neighbor, which is the kind of weird connection that just kind of happens if you stick around Provo long enough, I think. Uh, so go ahead and brag about your football, your fantasy football team for a second, Rhett. You're doing pretty well, good. Well, I do have the – I have a pretty good team. I have the best kicker in the league, Justin Tucker. He's scoring me like 13 points a week. Do you remember what round you took him in our fantasy draft? Because I do. <laughs> I probably – I probably took him, like, fourth round or something. <laughs> it was the sixth round, which is approximately round. ten rounds before anyone else was taking kickers. <laughs> I got to give my kickers their due credit. It worked out for you. I mean, all strategies and experts be dang, because you got a kicker and your team is fantastic, too. Yeah, and he's getting me more points than my quarterback. Than my first two-round picks. My first two-round picks were trash, so my kickers get me more points than them. There you go. That's You get kicking advice and fantasy football advice here on the Cougar <laughs> Tailgate. Thanks again, Rhett, for coming on the show today, updating the people and giving us a peek inside the special teams room. You bet. Thank you very much. And that does it for the Cougar Tailgate. It's your weekly peek into the traditions and history behind this game we love. We talk about food and what's going on in the towns the team visits. So if you're in Toledo this weekend... Be sure to check out Tony Paco's hot dogs, apparently, and go take a visit to the Toledo Art Museum or Zoo while you're in town, too. And tell us about it. We are a show for the fans, and we want to hear from the fans. Maybe your story will make it on a future episode. Send an email to cougartailgate at gmail.com. That's cougar, T-A-I-L-G-A-T-E at gmail.com. We are a production of BYU Radio. Go Cougs!